I am Planta on the line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Michael Redhead Champagne joins me now. He's just published a children's book, his first, We Need Everyone. I'll ask him about it and the important lessons therein. Michael's life's work is building community through justice, equity, and love, empowering children with the realization that they have gifts that are useful and needed in our world today is uh, the key to this book. Some young people, hell, even adults, don't think they have any discernible gifts. This uh, book outlines a number of traits and habits that are indeed necessary for a better world. I'll ask Michael about some of them and just how important they are to foster and encourage in young people. Michael Redhead Champagne is a community leader from Winnipeg's North End with family roots in the Shamatawa First Nation. He's also a noted public speaker, host, and storyteller. Visit michaelredheadchampagne.com for more. This new book is published by Highwater Press. We spoke two weeks ago. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Michael Redhead Champagne. Michael, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. Thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Um, I was going to ask you, Michael, who this book is for, but, you know, as as I was reading it, I'm I'm 41, and and, um, um, I guess I was surprised that it's not just for young readers. I mean, there, there are lessons in here that are useful for people of all ages. Yes, this book really is written for the whole family. I would love for this book to be a tool for learners of all ages and readers of all ages to be able to have some of that thoughtful reflection, not only about what some of their gifts are, but also um, part of the joy, I think, of creating this book and now knowing that others are going to be able to read and have that experience that you're describing is knowing that now you and anyone who has read the book has a little simple three-step process to uplift and support the gifts of all of the people that they love and care for as well. So that's what's super exciting for me. And I really did write this book for everyone, which is why it's called We Need Everyone. Yeah, yeah. And what do you tell people, young people, anybody really, Michael, who might think that they haven't got a gift themselves? Well, I think an important component within the book uh, is question mark kid. So there is a a character that was created by Chip Bartell, who is the illustrator of this book, a legendary Winnipeg-based illustrator who did a great job capturing my energy on the colorful flat page. Um, But Question Mark Kid actually is a recurring character throughout the book as we see what the 1-2-3 process is to find your gift, as well as walking through a number of examples of gifts that we might see in children and communities around us. And so by the end of the book, Question Mark Kid uh, is no longer Question Mark Kid because that question mark turns into a star. Mm -hmm. And a star in the book is everybody's representation. When they find their gift, they get a little floating star that they chase around or it chases them around, depending on the character. Um, And so I love that. I hope this book is for people that might have a question mark, um, and maybe we can help turn that question mark into a star, which would just be that realization of their gift that they can either keep to themselves or share with the world, depending on what they want to do. Is doing um, what we like or or, um, 
what we like doing, I should say. Is, is that suggestive of what we're good at? I think it is, but I love asking the question of what do you, what things do you like doing because I feel like it's going to be a different list that our hearts and minds generate mm. than when we ask the question, tell me what your gifts are. Yeah. Tell me what your talents are. Tell me what your skills are. I feel like a lot of us would feel pressure or, you know, for me, my mind would go completely blank if somebody said, tell me what your gifts are. And so for people who are experiencing that, um, I think this book really helps us flip it around and simply ask, well, what are the things that you like doing? And within the things that you like doing, you naturally have done some of those things a lot. And when you've done something a lot, you naturally gain skill in that area. And when I was younger, I was told that I talked too much. (laughs) And now... I'm an adult who's a public speaker and a children's book author. And so I'm taking that thing that people told me was too much, and I'm turning it into my career. So even if you have an unconventional gift that some people might say you're too much, uh, this book is for those people because I want them to know they are not too much. And that little bit of too much might be their gift could lead to their career and might help them live a happy life. Something that, that you say in the book that I think is extremely useful, it's good advice at any age, is, is to ask for help. Because even now as adults, we, we find that difficult, don't we? We do. And I wanted to include the component around asking for help because often when I ask groups of kids or any audience, how many of you can tell me right now, I do the thing. How many of you know what your gift is? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there you know a couple of the A-type personalities or the, the more outgoing folks will put up their hand, but a large majority will either be too shy by the question or legitimately won't have an answer that comes immediately to mind. And for those folks that it doesn't come immediately to mind, I want, to, I want them to know that it's all good. I think a lot of us experience those moments in our life where we feel like we're not good at things or perhaps we don't have talents. But when we ask for help, it's an invitation for the people who love and care about us to come forward and remind us of the gifts that we have and the skills that we carry. Because sometimes the people who love us see those things even before we do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's great advice. Um, you, you mentioned Tiff Bartell a moment ago. The, the illustrations are, are done by, by her. Um, they lend themselves so well to the writing um, and the characters. They have great personality in them. What was the process like working with Tiff in terms of, of how you would how her work would work with yours? Um, it was actually a very seamless process working with Tiff. The folks at High Water really know what they're doing when they're matching writers to illustrators mm-hmm. because um, Tiff and I had, I would say, one or two meetings and a, a few exchanges of emails once the manuscript was finalized. And other than that, it was Tiff really taking leadership on how we felt the book needed to be represented and those characters that really do come to life on the page um, are all a result of 
the energy and the magic that Tiff is able to capture in her artwork. Yeah, they, they really are great to look at as well. And, well, uh, and something I'm already noticing yeah. in my uh, I Love to Read Month adventures out there sharing the book with students um, here in the inner city of Winnipeg um, already. Uh, it's a very diverse population of students, and yeah. I see students pointing to one another, putting their arm around their friend when we get to their gift, or um, getting excited that the book has some type of representation, a character that represents them. Or, you know, folks will say, you know, that's from my culture, and they feel so good knowing that their identity is included in the book because when we said we need everyone, Jess Bartel, the illustrator, really took that message to heart when she created um, all of this beautiful artwork. Yeah, and that speaks to something in the book about uh, the importance of artists. Um, and I found this line incredibly profound, and um, I've been thinking about it ever since I read it, that, that artists are important in our lives because they, um, I'm paraphrasing here, they, they make complicated things beautiful and easier to understand. And I, I've been thinking about that because, you know, I, I've been thinking about the art that I like to look at, uh, the art that's fascinated me, that, that confounds me regularly, um, and, you know, some people think that art is frivolous or, or um, a luxury, you know, to own art especially. Um, but they do play such an, artists do play such an important role, don't they? They do. Art and creative expression is one avenue for people who are, one, needing that outlet for themselves, but often in the creating of art that comes from, people's own lived experience or their desire to translate, you know, uh, either a complicated emotion or a complicated situation into some type of a piece of, of, of work. I think that in those examples, you really see the creative gears of artists as educators for the masses. And when we look back in history, um, yes, sometimes we do look at um, the books and the written word if they survive. But more often than not, what are we talking about when we're talking about ancient civilizations and older histories? We're yeah. talking about those beautiful works of art that contain tidbits of information about who those people were, what they found important, what their day-to-day -day life was. And I think artists really are the scribes of history. And I just wanted any artist reading the book um, to see, one, Tiff as a beautiful example, but also to know that I see their gift as so special and we desperately need artists in this world. Indeed, indeed. You also talk about athletes. I, I grew up not really following sport or even playing sport, um, but as I've grown older, and, you know, you, when you read the news, and it, it's always in the news about, you know, what, what the latest game score is or, or the latest phenomenon regarding who's watching sport or who's even attending a particular game, uh, it's hard to, to ignore. And um, what you write in the book I, I thought was also very thoughtful, that, that um, and, and this is why people like sports or following sports, is because a lot of these these athletes, you know, they, they do show us determination. And, and um teams in particular and I, I know you know you, you've got a hockey team there that, that a lot of people probably 
uh, follow, as, as do I here in Vancouver, um, they provide a, a great boost of morale for the community, and, and that's something we shouldn't overlook, right? Exactly, and, and what I actually do think of, I think of what my experiences have been as also somebody who doesn't play a lot of sports myself. Um, I was invited to a Winnipeg Jets game in recent years mm-hmm. as a, what they call a hometown hero, where mm-hmm. they pick on somebody every game to say thank you so much for the work that you do. And I was grateful to go. Um, I went along with uh, my business partner, Angie Lamorant, and while we were at the game, um, it was just such a powerful emotion for me to see the thousands and thousands of people in attendance singing the same things at the same time, reacting to what was happening on the ice um, in in such a a deeply emotional way. And then when the the victory, uh, in this example it was a defeat, uh, happened, um, just seeing the way that the players carried themselves with grace and how all of the fans had an amazing outpouring of, one, those that were supporting the winners, an outpouring of, of joy and victory, and even just seeing, you know, some people being a little bit pouty uh, on the Winnipeg side, <laughs> but it really was a uniform disappointment that I felt amongst everyone, and so um, I was really moved by the unity that was at that one game, and it really got me thinking about some of the folks that I've had the honor to meet over the years in some of my community work, such as Clara Hughes, um, who is herself an Olympian. And I think about how sports um, have that potential to bring the entire world onto the same page, even if it's just for a moment, even if it's just for sports. Everybody's eyes are in the same place, and everybody's holding their breath at the same time. And it's quite a magical thing that not a lot of other um, uh, gifts are able to accomplish. So when I was growing up, Michael, um, home video game systems were coming into to fashion um, a great deal. And, and I remember growing up, I mean, I had a Nintendo growing up, but, but you know, that, that quickly passed. Uh, and so I haven't really played video games in, in my teen years or even adult years, even though I have friends who, who do this even now, you know, well into their adulthood. Um, I remember um, older people growing up saying, you know, you shouldn't play so many video games. It's, it's, it's not good for you being in front of the TV. Um, but, but as you write in the book, you know, gamers um, learn how to strategize, how to organize. And, and these are skills that I think a lot of people overlooked back then and, and, and perhaps even now. Um, they, they look at video games or, or, you know, on the computer or the television as just, you know, play or, or frivolous. But, but um, they do teach young people important skills, don't they? They really do, and the inclusion of gamers and the gift of gaming in the book is because as I shared this one, two, three activity with real live audiences in my public speaking in and around Canada and other places around the world, I have been able to hear from students from their, straight from the horse's mouth as they say, um, what they feel their gift is. And I welcome all gifts. And so sometimes kids like to be uh, a little bit sassy. I don't know if you know this about kids uh, or teenagers, uh, but sometimes kids would say things like their gift is sleeping. (laughs) And they would, you know, look at me and be like, what are you going to do now? We have, you know, (laughs) 300 people in the gym. You said all gifts are important. I said my gift is sleeping. Now what? And what I say is 
Thank you for sharing your gift. That's a super important gift because you can have a job when you grow up as somebody who tests our mattresses. That helps us every <laughs> single night. And so thank you, everyone. Let's give it up for the gifted sleeper in the house. You know what I mean? It's important yeah. for me to be able to, to do that. And I think Gamers was along the same line of kids trying to snub me and challenge me to say, you know, tell me that gaming is not a gift. And I won't do that because if young people go through the process and they identify something as their gift, it, you know, it could be gaming, it could be gardening, um, I'm not going to say no to that. And I include gamers because so many kids have identified that to me and I wanted those young people to feel seen and heard. And I can recognize that in 2024, um, gaming is a legitimate career. I have friends and there are people that I know in my community that have been able to quit their nine to five job yeah. because of gaming and it's a real it's a real viable career at this point and I know that will probably make some people, you know, clot their ears as I say that, but I think that it's important for us to listen to the voices of young people and if they're saying gift their gift is gaming it behooves the rest of us in systems to be able to pay attention to how we can adjust our education system and our future employment to accommodate that gift. And in a world where we are ruled by algorithms and increasingly computerization and digital technology, we're going to be leaning on these gamers to help us know how to navigate that world um, with authority and with trust. And who do I trust? It's the gamers. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's an excellent point. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, this appearance you made in in, in a school recently. Um, uh, you must be gratified when whenever you hear, or you're in front of an audience, especially school children, and just how sharp they are. I mean, um, I don't know why that surprises a lot of us uh, that kids are like that. But but um, it must be fun when you're when you're in an audience like that, and and and. Um, you get something that is something as fun a response as that. It, it is super fun. Yeah. And like what I really love, I think one of the things that uh, moves me the most, and you know, I don't get to see everything because when I'm speaking to a gym full of students, I can't, you know, keep an eye on 300 interactions all at one time. Mm -hmm. But um, sometimes uh, teachers uh, or folks that come with me will take video from the back of the gym because often we can't record student spaces. Mm -hmm. um, but what I saw at one point was we had all the grade sixes at the back and all the kindergartners at the front, and I was reading the book. And when I got to the part of the book that says, we need good friends, you saw a group of grade six boys, the oldest in the school, all kind of one aggressively kind of, you know, and affectionately pulled uh, his friends in for like a little bit of a group hug. Um, and there was one kid who looked a little bit resistant and got, you know, pulled in uh, by affection into the group uh, when I was talking about how we need good friends. And I just thought that was such a beautiful example of affection and exactly why we need good friends, because they pull you in when you sometimes feel like you're not included. And it was really beautiful to see. You know, you have such a gift for storytelling, and, and you mentioned earl earlier in our conversation that, that you, you were pretty uh, uh, talkative, pretty chatty as a kid. How, how do you, um, uh, as you get older, hone those skills, those gifts, and, and turn that into a career? Because uh, I'm sure there are kids who, who have seen you at their schools, seen you speak, and, and think, you know, I, um, 
that guy looks like me when you know and 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 I want to do what he does when I grow up um what do you tell someone young who who might think that or might even tell you that in person say well I always want to encourage those young people to take opportunity you don't here's here's my first message we don't have to wait to become a professional to share our gift we can share our gift every single day even if it's just with ourselves or just the people around us. And so if you are somebody who talks too much, um, let's find places where talking too much is welcome. Does your school have student council where student voices are needed? Is there a debate club where folks that like to argue get to go and argue and just get it out of their system, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, are there are there uh, book clubs where folks that love reading and then talking about it um, are able to maybe spend some time in the library so they can they talk as much as they want about it? Um, you know, there are uh, opportunities and outlets within schools and within our, our local neighborhoods for us to take our energy that is too much in some environments because it's just enough and exactly what is needed in other environments. And so, you know, I used to talk too much and people wouldn't, listen so what i started doing was writing a lot and i would write my emotions and my feelings and and my ideas in journals and i have you know i have a couple boxes at this point of build up back-to-back journals where i would practice putting my thoughts um when i wasn't comfortable saying them out loud um so even when i'm silent i never stop uh putting my words and thoughts uh together because that's really what the essence of storytelling is and very very quickly one thing that I always say is that um, it's important for me as somebody who was First Nations, I'm originally from Shimadawa First Nation, it's important for me to just think about my connection to my culture and storytelling is a really important role in Indigenous culture. And I like to think that if this was back in the day, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, I would still be a storyteller in yeah. our, our village and in our community to convey uh, educational concepts to talk about history to help make people laugh <laughs> yeah. to bring some little bit of medicine um, where possible and so I feel really good about being a storyteller and in the work that I do and I do want to encourage those kids that talk too much which is why we need storytellers is also included um, in yeah. the book too uh, well, I, I, I've seen video of you you know at public appearances speaking in the sort and preparing for a chat I, was, I watched uh, what I could find of you on YouTube, for example. Um, do you deal with nerves? It, it seems like you don't. Do you? I deal with nerves 100% of the time, including in this conversation. And I'll tell you how come that's super important. Uh, it's super important because if I don't get nervous before I do a speech or before I um, do something, then that means that that something is not important to me. If I'm getting nervous, it's because I care deeply about what I'm doing. And so I've learned now to not look at my nervousness as a destabilizing force. I look at my nervousness as a part of the process. And I calm myself down by saying, are you nervous, Michael? Well, you should be because this is important. Now, why is it important? And it just helps me sharpen in my mind what is my reason for doing this thing that is making me, that is making my knees shake, <laughs> that is making me feel nervous. And um, it really helps me focus my message um, because when I talk to folks like yourself, I want to reach out to kids. I want to reach out to educators. 
And who knows if this is going to be the one and only time to hear me. i got to make it count. Man, you know, that's a great way to look at things. You know, I've been doing this for a while, and, and um, um, when I started out, I was in my 20s, and, and um, I'd get nervous, you know, somebody, if, if there was a particular talented person or famous person even would come on the show. Um, I, I don't get nervous like that anymore, but I, I have to say when I'm, you know, sitting here talking to you in my in my house, in my office at home, you know, I'm looking at the clock, and, and uh, I'm looking at the light, making sure the thing's on, and it's recording, <laughs> so I don't have to call you an hour from now and say, hey, Michael, we got to do that again. You know, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the computer, making sure that's working, it's taping. And so, you know, I, people think, well, you know, you don't seem nervous. But, no, I, I'm terrified sitting here because, you know, I'm looking at eight different things and making sure that everything's working. Um, because, yeah, I don't want to have to impose on you again and, and, and waste your time. Or, or, or um, And if, if we were to talk again, we would lose whatever we did. The first time, and then you know, the, there is something special, I guess, in 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 every conversation, isn't there? There really is, and that's why I just think podcasts and conversations like this, where we get to exchange energy back and forth, really help to educate people. And it's kind of these emotional beats that we create in our conversation that create little pinpoints in people's memories for them to go back to in the future if they need it. I had one more question, Michael, yeah, because you, you do spend um, a, a, a lot of time, not all of your time, but, but I would I'd say a lot of your professional time in schools, back at school, say. Um, you must think of, of particular teachers in your life that, that uh, shaped your life or that were particularly helpful. Um, that's important to think about, isn't it? It is so important for us to give back and give gratitude to those who lifted us up in the moments when we couldn't lift ourselves up. And I think we have so many unsung heroes in our education systems that deserve love and deserve acknowledgement. Um, And they're heroes. You know about them. Think about your school right now. There's one teacher that probably everybody talks about, and they're relieved when they get to go to that teacher's class. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's safety. That's, That's a real educator with a heart. And that's somebody for us to lift up. And so for me, that's my teacher, Miss Holmes. And uh, I actually love Miss Holmes so very much because she helped me in a time of my life when I was a kid and I was experiencing a mental health crisis of my own. Mm-hmm. And she, by simply gifting me a book and jotting a note inside of that book, uh, was able to carry me through that moment of darkness. And so uh, I love and appreciate educators like Ms. Holmes is out there. There's probably a bunch listening to this right now. And so to those educators, I just want to say thank you. I'm grateful for you when I see you. And further to that point, uh, later this year, there's a graphic novel coming out where I tell a story of Ms. Holmes. Um, it's called Little by Little, You Can Change the World. And it's coming out later this fall, also published by Highwater Press written by Sonia Ballantyne, illustrated by Rael McGregor. Sorry, I'm also a talking commercial. (laughs) (laughs) How old were you when when you encountered Ms. Holmes? And was that in Winnipeg? That was in Winnipeg. That was in uh, the West Kildonan uh, area Uh when I was, oh, how old was I? Probably around 10, 11, 12 years old. And Ms. Holmes was my teacher for two years. And then I was in the class beside her for a couple more years. So I always was able to kind of keep her close after she, what I what I 
remember as a kid yeah. after she saved me. Yeah, it's it's incredible, isn't it, Michael? That um, uh, you know, I can't remember who uh, who was on the show last, but but their teachers are moments in classrooms that I remember. You know, going back to kindergarten still, um, and and you realize just how important these people are um, in your life, and and um, you're thinking about a lot of them. I mean, I've been thinking about a lot of them as I was reading the book and, and talking to you now. Um, I guess we, if there is a teacher listening to us, they they cannot, um, I guess, underestimate the the um, the the chance they have to change someone's life, right? Exactly, and I hope that the teachers are feeling the love. Um, but I also want the the students uh, and the learners that are listening that are thinking of their teachers right now um, to remember, people don't know how you feel unless you tell them. Oh, man, so that's if right. someone is your yeah. favorite teacher, you better tell them. And it's important for me, even though it's been... Oh, boy, I don't want to say how many years, like 24, maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 24 years since Miss Holmes has been my teacher, yeah. um, maybe longer. Um, she follows me on Instagram and comments on my posts, and we will chat back and forth. And so I know some people think it's weird to reach out and talk to your teachers after they're not your teachers anymore, but I bet you they would really appreciate to hear from you, especially if they made a big impact on your life and you're now down a certain career path. Um, they would love to hear from you. And I think that more teachers, many teachers already do hear from those students that come back for those good life updates, those yeah. good check-ins. Um, but if you're somebody who is thinking of a teacher during this conversation and you have not spoken to them recently, shoot them a message, shoot them a text, send them an email, follow them on Instagram, whatever it may be, and just say, hey, I want you to know I really appreciate what you did for me in grade five because you really helped me through a tough time, and I still think of you, and I hope you're doing great. You know, people love those messages. Indeed, indeed. Michael, um, it's, it's been such a, a great pleasure talking to you today. Congratulations on this book and continued good luck with it. Thank you so very much. I'm really excited to continue to share it um, with the world. Um, I think we need everyone uh, to, to know and understand that they have gifts, and that's part of why I'm uh, really trying to make sure I get this book to uh, isolated rural and remote communities, too, um, at no cost to those communities. So folks are actually purchasing uh, books and sending them over my way um, so I can get those books to kids and families in places that need them. Uh, this has been great, Michael. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank I also appreciate it. Thank you for what you do. Thank you. Thank All you the- for sharing your gift. The website for more is at michaelredheadchampagne.com. The book is called We Need Everyone. It's uh, published by Highwater Press. Its author, uh, Michael Redhead Champagne. Join me on the line from uh, Winnipeg in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plunder.